So I call these the illusions of dating that I really feel like hold men back. I know I can relate to every single one of them and you might find yourself throughout the course of me going through this relating to your story to mine and to each other's and vice versa, right? And so the first one I wanna talk about is We'll do this fancy. The illusion of connection. All right, so some of you guys who have been following me for a while may have heard different aspects of these, but let's kind of go through them, right? And so one of the things I want you guys to realize is like, I was not, I never, I never myself set out to be a public speaker a coach. In fact, I was in school for many years thinking I was going to be a doctor one day. Uh, I went to college, I was pre-med, and then I decided I didn't know how to fill out the application when it asked, why do you want to go into medicine? And I was just thinking, just thinking to myself, I don't know, it sounds like a good career, but apparently I don't think that would be good enough to get accepted. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try dental school instead. So on a whim, I applied to dental school, got accepted, and that's why I moved out to Arizona. Now, because I got accepted into dental school and because I kind of changed last second, I had a few years off um, to where I had to study for the dental school entrance exam, um, where I was just living at home in Kansas City with my mom. Um, but now I was back in my normal environment. People, women lived in town. I had friends in town. This is where I grew up. I was born and raised there. And so I literally had nothing to do other than wait for dental school to start after I got accepted. And in that time, what I started doing is I started trying to date around, right? And I didn't know what I was doing. If you had asked me back then, what, like, how do you, how do you get a girl to like you or what is flirting? I had no idea. All I knew was that I had a friend who could get girls at will and he was my best friend, but he was the polar opposite of me. And the reason why he was the polar opposite is because he didn't give a fuck. He would say what he felt. And even if it offended you or not, he stuck to his guns but he also always had fun everywhere he went. And I would always hear the women that would date him, and by the way, like, he hooked up with all the girls who I ever had a crush on in high school, and he was like the popular guy. And literally in our high school, um, the, all, the whole class, our senior year, you guys ever like know like the yearbook, you, date, or you like vote like best looking, most athletic or whatever? They literally gave him the choice, do you want best looking or most athletic? <laughs> <laughs> and he said he chose most athletic um, because he went on a scholarship to play D1 football. And, you know, a guy like that, you go, oh, he's not going to get those results in college. It's a bigger, bigger pond or whatever. No, he was like that guy times 10 in college. All right. Um, so I would always hear the girls that I thought were hot that were dating him. And clearly he was hooking up with them. And they would always be like, oh, he's such an asshole. He's such a player. And me being a guy on the outside looking in, because this is my best friend, I'm hearing them say this and I go, well, if they're talking negatively about him behind his back, I don't want to be an asshole. I don't want to be the player. I just want to be the nice guy who can get the girl. And so you can see like little moments like that start to form your belief system about the way things work. Okay. And so for me with this guy, um, you know, I started having to develop almost like a, a, 
a dating life outside of my friendship with my best friend because any girl that was around us would naturally gravitate towards this guy. And so for me, naturally it was coworkers, you know, cause I didn't know how to meet women, where to meet women. And so I was a lifeguard at the time. And one of the girls apparently had a crush on me at, at the pool or whatever. And um, uh, I started like, just talking to her, I wasn't super into her, she wasn't the best looking girl, but the more we would talk, the more we would connect, and the more I could start picturing myself hanging out with this girl, dating this girl, and you know, you know you're screwed. The moment you are not dating a girl, and you're talking to her, and you're imagining what your, her name would sound like with your last name. That's how you know you're screwed, right? Um, so this girl I started developing like a pretty intense connection with, and I know that she liked me, um, or at least she would say it and she would tell her friends, but I never had the balls or even the knowledge or the know-how to be able to make the move, take things to the next level, actually generate real attraction, right? Because at that point, if she likes me and we're just talking a lot, it's more of a logical connection that we're having, right? And so I think a lot of guys, be it Hollywood, be it, you know, you're, you're the guy who works in Hollywood, so it's your fault, Eric. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah. But you, you see, yeah, exactly. Disney, Wedding Crashers, name any Hollywood rom-com. And it's always the asshole loses, the nice guy wins at the end. Um, one of my favorite shows at the time, I watched it just back to back to back to back literally around this time was Boy Meets World, and I counted how many times Topanga either tried to cheat on Corey or broke up with Corey, and then he chased her and got her back seven times throughout the show, all right? And so if that's what I'm watching, and this is a show I enjoy watching, and the strategy that's working for Corey Matthews in Boy Meets World is chase, pursue, romance, confess your feelings, that's my blueprint for success because I didn't know any better. Right? How many guys here have actually ever confessed your feelings for a girl? <laughs> All right. How many of you guys dated that girl afterwards? All right. All right. There you go. <laughs> Moving on. I'm joking. <laughs> All right. So it just doesn't work. And all right. So who, how long ago did you guys confess your feelings? Anybody do it recent? No. Nah, it was a while ago? Yeah. Okay. It's been at least over a year for me, for sure. Okay. So at least a year. That's relatively recent. For me, that was like nine, ten years ago. <laughs> um, but so with that girl, I ended up actually making a move and kissing her after I was leaving her house. One, one day, it was around Thanksgiving time. Um, and this is like eight months after me and her talking, texting every day, working together. And when I went for the kiss, I was like, I finally made the move. This is our time to like start dating now. And even this girl, like I was almost settling for her because I didn't, like today, um, I'll be honest, after I got into dating advice, kind of just jumping ahead a little bit, she actually, we ended up actually hooking up after I had abundance in my dating life. And I didn't even want her anymore because compared to the girls that I could land now, she was nowhere near that. She was a girl that I was settling for with a blueprint that didn't work. Um, so anyways, uh, we worked at the pool and she started dating some other guy like literally the next day after I kissed her and I never heard from her again. And so um, one of the things that I did, I was like, I was angry, I was frustrated, I was confused, I didn't know why. And I remember um, 
we were in college and she had just started college and so I got on Twitter. Um, you can't find these tweets anymore so I'm uncancelable from Twitter because I deleted my Twitter account a long time ago. <laughs> if you look me up on Twitter now I have like 12 people following me my first tweets a couple years ago. All this stuff back then does not exist anymore. <laughs> um, but I was like oh, she gained the freshman 15, like screw her or something. Like I was just going off and I was like in my own world, I was drinking beer after beer, right? It was just one of those emotional downfalls, you know, and obviously something that's not productive and not going to, to turn this around by any means. Um, and I remember she had one arch enemy who also worked with us. And also I didn't realize this until after the fact, but the girl that this girl that I liked started dating, the guy, that guy was this girl's ex-boyfriend from several years prior, right? And so that girl hits me up and she's actually a little bit hotter than the first one. And uh, we start texting and at first, my motivation was like, oh, they hate each other. And I know they just have like this catty like girl thing where they hate each other. And so out of, revenge, I was like, let me start talking to this girl. Because I was hoping that maybe it would make this girl mad, maybe make her feel an emotional low like I did. Maybe we would be able to relate on that emotional low and maybe something would come out of that. Like, it's just like craziness, right? Um, so anyways, long story short, uh, I started talking to that girl, started hanging out with that girl. Um, and she became part of my social circle. And honestly, uh, I had the balls to make the move sooner than six to eight months after talking to her. But what I started to notice was a lot of the same patterns. You know, when I realized, okay, I really do like this girl. Again, I'm painting mental movies of potential futures with us riding off into the sunset together. Uh, and, and then I'm like, okay, well, how do we take this to the next level, right? And I could tell that she knew I was starting to catch some feelings, right? And so one day, just out of self-preservation, I was thinking to myself, I don't, I don't want to fall into the same trap I did before. Like, I didn't know what I was doing wrong exactly, but I knew I could feel myself catching similar feelings that didn't turn out so well before. A lot of people probably would do the opposite of what I did, which was power through with the, the strategy that doesn't work. Some guys would just out of self-preservation sink in, you know, ignore, and they would, now they're left with nothing, but that's by their own choosing. And so people respond differently in these fork in the road moments. You know, everybody here has had fork in the road moments. You could either come to this boot camp or not. That's one fork in the road moment. Um, or you could pick up this book or not, right? So it's, it's all these little moments in your life that really define who you are. And I would, say, I would say the worst thing that you could possibly do is if you're not getting results is sink back and kind of just give up. So the best thing to do would be to persist because had I not, I wouldn't learn the lesson I'm about to give you. And honestly, a lot of these illusions, <laughs> I'm noticing all of them within my story so far, but long story short, I was like, I want to break things off with this girl. I don't want to hang out with her anymore because I don't want to have anything bad potentially happen to my feelings, my mental uh, and emotional state, my well-being. And so I hit her up after a little gathering, a little, and this is the thing, she's part of my social circle. So it's like, I'm trying to cut off a girl I like in my social circle, which is going to create a lot of weird tension with the rest of the group, right? And so I text her, I was like, hey, can we, can we chat real quick? I go over to her house 
and she's like confused because anytime anybody says, hey, can we talk? You know, you start wondering what, what the fuck is this going to be about, right? And I remember going over to her house, fully intending to say, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to break things off. I don't, even, we weren't even dating, right? And um, I go there and I see her puppy dog eyes. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, oh, she's cute. And so, and so rather than saying, we can't do this anymore, I said, I think I like you, like, a lot, right? And so this was like a verbal confessing my feelings, and she like, there was like no response. It was just like, okay. And I, I just kind of awkwardly left her house and then didn't really talk to her after that, right? Um, until a couple weeks later when my social circle was relying on me, like kind of having people over, we would have drinks, I would have a bonfire in my backyard. They wanted to still do the friend stuff, um, but when she came over, she ended up hooking up with uh, another guy in my bed at my house. And that was like the moment where I was like, holy crap, something's got to change. Um, yes. So in that moment, okay, so, so you were intended on breaking up with her and then you actually took it the totally opposite direction. Mm. Did, you, did you crash hard after that? Like obviously since you made your choice, because it sounded like you already made your choice to break it off with her, but then because you said the words out loud that I accept you and I want you, mm. I mean, were you mad at her or did you recognize that your own I didn't. Fall? I didn't necessarily, I think I was, I was intentionally, in a way, turning a blind eye to the reality that she didn't like me back. Gotcha. Because it was never like, I don't like you back. Yeah. It was, it was kind of just vague. She was just kind of following my lead so she wouldn't have to like let me down. You know what I'm saying? So she was playing the trick that you were going to play. Uh, essentially, right? She was just like, oh, okay. And then it was kind of just at that. And then I was like, okay, well, uh, we'll see you later, <laughs> you know? Um, and, but you could feel the emotional distance when someone stops responding, when they're not as enthusiastically responding. And I remember we only got together that one night with the rest of the social group a couple weeks later because she was texting people to text me like, hey, we still want to do like bonfires and stuff at your place, right? Um, so I was like, all right, screw it, come over. Um, I mean, that night turned out, uh, you know, a little weird because I kicked everybody out once I realized people were in my bed. Um, and, and then I never talked to, to them after that. Um, long story short, though, those two girls who were arch enemies before me ended up bonding over the fact that I was basically the guy who I just told you I was. And now they're like one of the best friends, you know, and they ended up joining the same sorority together. Anyways. All of the illusions I'm about to give you are illusions that I suffered from back then. And so the first one I wanna really make note of is a lot of guys, their strategy for success with girls is if I like this girl and maybe we can actually talk to each other, then the best thing for us to do would be to find as much common ground as possible, see all the things that we relate on, see all the things that we have in common, and then maybe eventually over time that would turn into uh, she would become attracted to me, you know, and, and we'll get into the, the specifics of like why that is next um, in the next talk that I want to give. But if you suffer from the illusion of control uh, of connection, 
then the thing I want you to really realize is that what you're really doing is you're trying to mold yourself and your reality and you're trying to almost conform your, each other's reality into being like a perfect fit. And I think a lot of this really stems into the Hollywood narrative of you have a soulmate out there, she's a one girl for you, you guys have everything perfect on paper. And if, you know, we've already realized that confessing your feelings for a girl, trying to connect with her, it just doesn't work. And one of the things I want you to realize, and we'll talk about the specifics of how to do this later on this afternoon, but if your strategy for success is connection, that's not going to eventually turn into attraction. Attraction is something that happens in the moment and it should happen early on. And if you've had this book before or you've read the first 20 chapters like Robert over here, then uh, you'll realize that it's something that you can do pretty quickly, all right? Um, so the first one is the illusion of connection. It does not work. And especially if you're coming from a place of revenge, if I'm talking to that second girl out of revenge to hopefully get the first girl, I mean, that already speaks volumes about like, I'm coming from a negative mind state trying to get revenge on a girl who's already retreating away from me and so it's just a lost cause. None of it makes sense and it almost is like a downward, uh, downward spiral of self-sabotage at that point. All right, so the next uh, illusion of connection, or illusion of connection, the next illusion I want to give you guys is this. Oops. All right, who here has ever sent flowers to a girl's work? I almost did that, I sent chocolates on Valentine's Day though. Okay, was that this last Valentine's Day? Uh, no, it, it was like back in 2018 or so. Okay, yeah, like, how did that work? <laughs> did you ever hear from her after that? No, no she, go, she like goes to me bad. Really, yeah. was this a girl that you had talked to before you had done this? Uh, Yes, this is before I got into dating advice. It was like, at, this is when I was at UCLA. Mm. Yeah, yeah we, were in, we were in class together, and we were like doing a studio tour, like some, some editing place, and it happened to be Valentine's Day that day or something, I forgot. And uh, my, I, I was at Trader Joe's, and I got like a box of chocolates, because I, I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, no, it didn't work out. <laughs> um, what was, do you remember what the motivation was or like what your line of thinking was going into buying the thing and then sending it to her? Yeah, I, I just thought like traditionally people do that on Valentine's Day, you know, because I just thought, okay, people do that. I, I didn't yeah. know that, you know, I thought giving something that make you feel good, it, it, it's almost like, it's almost counterintuitive. It's, it's almost like what you think would work doesn't really work. It's like the opposite, and, and, and you, would, you wouldn't think that. And like, like we talked about society, society tells you. I remember, I forgot what video, but you, you were talking about every kiss begins with K. And I was thinking about that too. Like, yeah, well, th that means you gotta buy him a ring to get a kiss, or gotta get, gotta get him chocolates. Like, no. Yeah. Yesterday, I didn't have to do that shit. We're just on the couch, you know? <laughs> yeah. What, what he's referring to is a, a training I did last, last summer where I was talking about some of the things that cause these beliefs to be formed in men in the mainstream, but who here has heard the jingle, every kiss begins with K, okay. right? That was on the Relationship Mastery on Legendary Game. Oh, really? That, okay. That's yeah. yeah. Um, so every kiss begins with K. Subconsciously, it's a good jingle, it sticks in your head, but what does it convey to you if you want to get a girl to kiss you? You got to buy her. You got to get her jewelry. So that, that was my thinking, basically. 
yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've done similar things where I've sent flowers, uh, I've bought coffee, things like that. And I'm always thinking, oh, she's gonna like me after this, right? <laughs> um, and, and here's the thing. We've kind of heard from his story, from a little bit from mine, but like, what's the motivation behind a guy who thinks I wanna buy a girl uh, flowers or romance or whatever? You fork over a little bit of money and what do you think you're gonna get in return and how? Anybody? Attention, sex, money. Yeah, so you're trying to, you're trying to, uh, they call this, um, if you guys, has anybody ever read the book Influence by Robert Cialdini? So the, in Influence, they call this, it's one of the, the six or seven weapons of influence. It's called reciprocity. So reciprocity, I guess the first one was out of revenge. The second one is reciprocity. Uh, reciprocity is basically um, if I give you something or I do you a favor, you will subconsciously feel the need to return the favor. Even if you don't, it's still there. You think, oh, maybe I should do something in return for this guy. And so logically, I think a lot of people understand what that is, even if they don't know the word that some scientists came up for it. Um, but as a man, if you don't have the right strategy or the right blueprint and you're going based off of commercials, jingles, things that you see, maybe your buddy tells you, oh yeah, just send her flowers to her work. She'll love it. You know, or maybe you, you see a, a couple who's been married for 20 years and you see the husband sending flowers and you go, okay, that's, that's what works, right? Well, what you're really doing is you're taking a girl who I think, I like the word that you said, I don't have her attention yet. Her attention is not on me. She's not attracted to me. She's not thinking about how can I get Eric to like me, right? She's thinking about, I don't know, what is she gonna eat for lunch today? You know, who, what club is she gonna go out to this weekend? And you're coming in trying to give her a gift to trigger reciprocity, to try to get the emotion of, or, of attraction in return. And I'll be honest, it doesn't work. When I was working in an office, I dropped out of dental school to become a dating coach. And when I just started, I had to get a job because I was living off of student loan money. And so I started working at a call center um, where we would cold call uh, restaurants, try to sell them some technology and things like this. Anyways, one of the managers there, she got this big, probably the biggest bouquet of flowers I've ever seen. And I could see from across the office, this girl was like, not positively responding, she looked disgusted. Like, and I always compare it, she looked like a kid who got plaid pajamas on Christmas morning. She, like, she was not happy. And I went up to her afterwards, I was like, who sent you the flowers? And this is, this is a time where I was already into games. So I kind of knew uh, what was going on. And it was from Secret Admirer. And she was absolutely disgusted about it. And she didn't even care who it was at that, at that point. Because one, if you're not even bold enough to put your name on it, when you do put your, when you finally do text her and be like, hey, did you get the flowers I sent you? And that's her, her, her emotion coming into that. Obviously, you're starting off like not even at ground zero. You're like way down here, right? So um, gifts and romance are not going to work. And honestly, it's just been something that's been trained into your brain from Hollywood, from, you know, jewelry stores. Yeah. About the reciprocity thing, um, another thing that came to mind when you're talking about it is, I don't know if you read the book, Miss No More Mr. Nice Guy by Robert Glover. I haven't actually read that one. You yeah. Should. Uh -uh. You should. Um, but in that book, he talks about the idea of covert contracts. And it's basically exactly the same as what you're saying here. Mm. Like, you know, the covert contract of, oh, if I do something for you, if I be nice to you, if I buy you something, then the, the, the thing that's not being said, what I'm hoping for, I'm kind of imposing on you is 
you give this back to me. Create mm. or negative tension between you and your partner because you're expecting something from them without actually communicating with them. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny you say that because, like what you're saying, I, I have friends who are girls, and they have this no, um, what is it? No tip attack clause. They're literally saying, I'm not doing something you did something for me. I mean, that is their MO. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do this just because you didn't know. I'm not returning that favor. Yeah. They control me like that. They actually feel that way. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of times, if you're on the receiving end of that, you can, you can almost see through it, right? There, ha, have, has anybody ever been to Old Town Scottsdale before? Um, have you ever seen those? Um, I don't know what, like, uh, tribe it is, but it's like a tribe of, like, short, Indian women handing out flowers to everybody on the street. It's, that's actually one of the examples that he references in the book. Um, but what they're trying to do is they try to hand you flower, hand you flower, give you free thing, but then they hope that once you've taken it, now you have to give them money and they almost try to guilt you into giving them money, right? Yeah, I was thinking that Harry Christmas uh, in the 60s, 70s. I think that that's probably what it's called, yeah. Oh, okay. Is, is it the, you said Harry Krishna? Yeah, Harry yeah. Krishna. Yeah. They do it a lot in foreign countries, Mexico, with like bracelets and mm. like uniforms. Yeah. yeah. And do you guys, when you see that, do you kind of see right through what they're trying to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, same thing when it's flipped around and now it's a girl and you're sending her flowers to her work. Now, here's the thing this is something that it took me. <laughs> years even after getting into game to realize is that it's not bad to send give a gift to a girl right it's not bad to be romantic it's bad to do it if she's not interested in you yet right so if you're if you've been dating a girl for three years yeah send her some flowers buy her a gift if she's your wife send her some flowers buy her a gift be a little bit romantic but the thing is don't use it as your strategy to get her attracted into you or to apologize. <laughs> um, has, has anybody heard me use the term qualify? Do you know what the term qualify is? Um, I would say apologizing is one form of qualification. Has anybody here ev ever like read one of the lines out of this book, a playfully challenging line, and go, oh, that sounds like I'm insulting her? Anybody here thought that? Oh my god. A lot of you yeah. material. That, that's what I, I want to learn that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever tried it and had a girl get offended at you? Uh, to do, to be no, not really. Yeah. What's one that you're Actually, thinking I of? Did, I did one time. I did one time, and uh, and it was received. Um, interestingly, she like she like did a double take as soon as I said it, and like looked up at me, and kind of gave me a smile, um, but then turned away. Um, but it was just a random line. I was just trying on a friend of mine uh, who was already dating a buddy of mine. Yeah. Um, but to see that response, I was like, it's kind of like being rude. But she like took it. It looked like she took it positively. Mm. Yeah. Uh, has anybody in the room had a girl actually get offended at something you tried, um, like a playfully challenging line or a tease? Dang, I would say that's a good sign. Um, one of the things that I, like, so one of the lines that, I don't even know if I have it in the book, but one of the, when I was playing around with these ideas of like breaking rapport to build rapport, it's one of the things we'll talk about later. Um, one of the lines that I tried on a girl that I was in dental school with was, oh, it's too bad I'm not attracted to you. And it was just like, I, I barely knew this girl, right? And I remember like her face was like distraught. Like she was like, 
overcome with like being offended or like just so off put by it. Um, I learned a couple of lessons there, but one of the things I can tell you absolutely, like you said, does not work is the moment you start going, oh no, no, I didn't mean it. Like, oh, I'm so sorry, right? Because it's almost as bad as qualifying yourself is when you start apologizing too. Because then what does that say? It's like, I, I used a line, but the line wasn't congruent to who I am, you know? Um, so that's the second one. Uh, let's go to the third one. I'm trying to get these, I'm trying to put a little bit of like a, a logical order to where these might pop up for you guys. Um, all right. Okay. The illusion of directness. So from my story, um, what I think I forgot to tell you guys is the first girl who, uh, who I felt like crushed me, um, it wasn't just like a overnight I was on to the next one. I actually wrote her a love letter by hand and delivered it to her house um, and it was like apologizing, it was confessing my feelings, it was hoping that things could return back to normal. I actually never got any response to that, but one of the things I did was I was trying to be very direct about my intentions. Um, and then the next girl, uh, you know, I already said that I meant to break things off with her or at least tell her I, I'm not interested, but rather I went direct and confessed my feelings. And we've already done a poll over half the room raised their hand that they've confessed their feelings to a girl and none of you guys said that it actually worked out. But why is it that we, that we think that this will work? Um, I think there's probably any number of reasons why we think it might work, but I would say it's almost, I can't think of a good R word, but I think it's almost out of desperation. One example that comes to mind is, uh, I remember there's this girl who was like really hot in my high school when I was in high school. And uh, she was new to town and uh, she ended up actually uh, hooking up with my buddy who I told you about earlier. But I was like, oh, I think she's hot. I like her a lot. Um, but it was like, I never talked to her really. And then when I started finding out that other guys in my class started liking her too, then I was like, oh shit, I like her even more because now she's more of like a hot commodity, a scarce resource. And so um, I didn't actually confess my feelings to that girl, but it's almost like when you realize that either she's a hot commodity and so she's less of it, she feels less available to you because other people want her, or maybe she's retreating away from you. Um, you almost get to a place where if you don't know what to do next, you try to cut through the white noise and you try to go direct, right? And so, Eric being someone who you know, has been on coaching calls before, he's done a lot of daytime approaches. There's a right way and a wrong way to be direct with women, but the absolute wrong way is confessing your feelings. Um, and one of the things I'll, I'll hopefully you know, convey to you guys uh, in the next presentation that we are gonna do after we do a break here in like 30 minutes um, is more of like how to do it the right way, but directly stating your feelings, what it, what it ends up doing is it kind of takes the mystery out of the game, right? For women, they want to have fun too, right? And if you're sending flowers to her work, saying, I like you, I like you a lot, I love you, babe, I want to be together, but 
she's not already attracted to you and it's from a place of desperation, from revenge, from trying to trigger reciprocity, now it literally conveys to her, this guy doesn't have options. He doesn't know how to do this the right way. He doesn't know what to do next. And these are not positive things that you want a girl to be thinking about you. And even if she's not consciously thinking, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, she's just getting a weird off-putting feeling about you, you know? What were you gonna say? Well, I just kind of have a question because I, I feel like a lot of women out there these days want, they say that they want directness. They want to be like, let's not play games. Let's just, you know, tell me how you really feel. Let's, you know, whatever. So. It's like we're supposed to be direct, but at the right times, mm. right? And then how are we supposed to know when that right time is? And I assume that's probably what's gonna be covered over this weekend. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, that's, where, that's where that desperation comes from. It's because it's not, it's, it's either no action at all or action through desperation because that's what they want or that's what they say they want. Don't listen to what a woman says, listen to what she does. <laughs> right, right, listen to her actions, got it. There's a, I, I put a chapter in here, um, and I actually got this concept originally from uh, David Data, who talks about it in The Way of the Superior Man, um, but in here it's called Men Lie, Women Don't Know They Lie, and it's basically a girl one moment might say, um, <laughs> one example, it comes, I was helping my roommate who was also heavily into like pickup with me and we would go out to Old Town Scottsdale trying to pick up women and he actually ended up getting a girlfriend. They started dating seriously and when we moved out of that apartment, um, they moved in together into an apartment. So I was helping them move furniture in and she comes in and we put the couch down, we set it up, we're like, okay, the TV will go there, the couch will go here, it's kind of a big couch. And she comes in and she goes, what? I didn't want to put the couch there and he was like, He's like, what do you mean? And she goes, you always choose everything. Like you choose where the couch goes. What if I wanted it somewhere else? And he literally, and this is, I love this. He goes and picks her up, puts her over his shoulder, slaps her butt. And then he says, all right, I'll, let me decide where the couch goes. You can decide what we eat for, for dinner or something. And then he puts her down and then she's okay. I'll order some pizza, but next time, you know? <laughs> so here, here's, the, here's the lesson there. She was logically saying, I don't want this, I want this, right? But it was 100% dependent on the way she was feeling in the moment, right? She was expressing how she felt because she's like, you always do this, I wanna do this, and why can't we do it like this, right? And subconsciously, why is she saying that? Probably because she feels like she, has, she lacks control, she wants to exert some control over the situation, but the moment he picks her up, he completely changes her emotional state. You know, Tony Robbins, he says a lot, you know, motion creates emotion, right? So when you get into motion, when everybody here stands up, when we start breathing, you completely change your emotional state. Your biochemistry changes. You release different hormones that make you feel a different type of way. And so you change your mood, not her mind. And don't listen to what she says, listen to what she does. I, um, you mentioned Marnie. Yeah. This is to her saying, she had a YouTube, Live Women Tell. She said, she said, women lie, there's a lot of time. And she gives a story about her friend, literally, they were talking, what kind of man do you absolutely do not want? I don't need no broke man. Uh, if he ain't got no money and no job, I don't want one. That very night, the guy, she met some guy, had no money, broke, got her phone number, she was dating him within the next day. Hmm. She, she said, the reason why, because she, he made her feel a certain way. So all that junk she was talking, like you said, feelings. Hmm. She, she just talking junk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you ask a girl, like, 
<laughs> you guys would probably relate to this too. If I ask you, hey, what do you, what, what do you want to be doing as a career in five years? You might give me an answer, right? But logically, is that going to be the answer to your life purpose? Who the fuck knows, right? Because you're just giving me what you feel in the moment, what I think it might be, right? If you, if you put a girl on a lie detector and ask her what she wants, she'd probably give you an honest answer, but it's not necessarily what she's going to do, right? The example from my buddy is I formed my belief about what girls responded to based on the fact that girls behind his back in front of me would say, he's such an asshole, he's such a player, I hate him but then they go over to his house and suck his dick at two in the morning the next day. You know what I'm saying? So don't listen to what she does, or don't listen to what she says, listen to what she does. Does anybody else here, can you think of an example uh, from your own lives where you saw a woman dating a guy who wasn't super financially well off? My cousin. Okay. <laughs> anybody else? My best friend. Okay. I'll be honest. When I was, I mean, I didn't have like a job or a career until I became a dating coach, right? And so all the years leading up to that, when I wasn't getting girls, I mean, I was just a college student, didn't have a lot of money. My buddy definitely didn't have money because he was the same as me. But even after dental school and stuff, right, I was picking up a lot of women in Old Town Scottsdale and not once did the number of my bank account come up. Not once. Um, this is another thing I see, uh, and we'll kind of get, you know, there's a lot, again, there's a lot of different directions we can take this, so I kind of want to, don't gonna get out too off, far off topic, but one of the clients who came to the last boot camp, uh, I was doing some one-on-one -on -one stuff with him, and one of his biggest insecurities was that he was a 29-year-old virgin, and he was like, why would a woman want to be with me if I'm a virgin? And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, every dude had to lose his virginity at some point, <laughs> and when I lost my virginity, it didn't come up. All the other times afterwards, not once has a girl been like, you're a virgin, aren't you? We can't be together, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Um, funny story about when I was a virgin in college. Uh, I lost my virginity at 21, so technically that was in college towards the end of it. Um, but my buddy, who I told you about earlier, he, he, got a, he was on the, the K-State football team, and he got recruited as a quarterback. He was like seventh string, but because of his personality, he was like the life of the locker room. Um, he ended up getting kicked off the team because um, all the parties were at his house for all the football players every night of the week. Um, and I remember, you know, seventh string quarterback, doesn't even get reps in practice, but he's hooking up with three cheerleaders this weekend, three girls from the dance team this weekend, right? And I'm like, yo, this is, this is insane. And um, one of the guys who was also kind of in our circle at the time, um, uh, my buddy was like, yeah, PJ's a virgin, because I went by PJ back then. Uh, yeah, let's try to lose his virginity tonight. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing. And one of the guys, his name was Chuck, who was on the team. He was a half Korean guy like myself. And so we related a lot. Um, he was like, oh shoot, I'm gonna use that one. And so he's like, yeah, I, I wanna tell all the girls I'm a virgin tonight, right? And so it's like, it's really about your demeanor. And so obviously he wasn't a virgin, but if a girl said, you're a virgin, aren't you? I would use that as like banter, you know, I wanna come back at, at it. I would rather have a girl emotional, even if it's like a negative emotion, because you can use that momentum like judo. Having an emotion of some sort is way better than indifference, you know? So. Um, with him, ironically, Chuck ended up getting injured in, this, in his first play that he was ever on the football field. It was kickoff. Uh, he got injured, and then he dropped off the team, quit the next week, moved to L.A., and now he's like a huge A-list 
actor, celebrity guy. He's uh, the Asian guy on Riverdale now. No <laughs> yeah, starting season two, oh, he started. Um, so yeah, anyways, funny story about Chuck. Uh, all right. All right. The next illusion. The illusion of nonchalance. All right, so you might hear, all right, so if I don't want to confess my feelings to a girl, I don't want to be direct about my intentions, I don't want to send her gifts, uh, be romantic, what do I do, <laughs> right? Maybe I just kind of stay aloof, be nonchalant, play it cool. And so like one of the first evolutions of this, and uh, I'll be honest, if I, if I put a camera on some of you guys, if you're gonna go out later tonight, I wouldn't be surprised if some of you guys actually did this or if you've done this in the past, but has anybody ever, you've probably seen this because you're a karaoke guy. Um, people will show up, they'll be dressed up, they'll be standing there, they got the drink in front of their chest and they're just, <laughs> yeah. too cool for school, right? Um, and they think, okay, if I'm just aloof, if I play the cool guy, I call it James Bond game. If I act like I'm James Bond, I'm super mysterious, then maybe girls will like me. But then that guy ends up going home at the end of the night by himself and nobody knows but him because he's almost too aloof. He's too nonchalant. As a DJ. Really? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like well, just playing that nonchalance. Like a pretty girl walks in and asks me a bunch of questions on karaoke stuff and I just like play it off less than I would anyone who I'm not attracted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah. It, 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 it doesn't have to just be that cool guy, you know? Yeah. It's definitely, definitely something that we all, uh, well, that I'm used to doing a lot. Yeah. Especially when a pretty girl walks in. I mean, it really depends on like, arguably it might be better than, I love you, I love you, come, come after me, right? But at the end of the day, I heard a quote, ironically, um, from Logan Paul, just said it on his podcast. Um, I'm like really into boxing and he's boxing Floyd Mayweather this weekend. And so I watched his podcast and he said a quote, I love it, I wanna share it with you guys. He said, it's better, it's, it's nice to meet a girl in the park. It's nicer to park your meat in a girl, <laughs> all right? So it doesn't matter how aloof you are, at the end of the day, what's the result that you're getting, right? And so um, nonchalance, you know, if, a, if you're at a party, you're at a social gathering, you're anywhere, right? If you are too cool to not talk to her, then you can't be mad if you're not actually ended up dating her or sleeping with her or whatever, right? There's nonchalance to a point. I would say where most guys really get the definition of nonchalance wrong is it's like more of a it's more of a passive process, like passive nonchalance. If I kind of just play the nonchalant role, then passively things will work out, you know? And I call that uh, hope and pray seduction. You're just hoping and praying things work out if you kind of just do this one thing the right way and it's just the way that you think that it should be, right? Nonchalance, you know, we can, we can talk uh, a lot about some of the strategies here that we'll give in the next presentation, which is, you know, a lot of like, how do you actively convey a lot of this nonchalance? Um, but that's the thing is if you're going to be nonchalant, it's more of an active process. And that's gonna come into a lot of what we're gonna talk about uh, next. But the illusion of nonchalance, don't be so nonchalant that you're not even on her radar. Um, there's a, 
there's an old school persuasion formula, um, and it really applies well to texting and literally any area of life. If you want to have a positive influence or any type of influence on someone, um, it's AIDA. I've gone over this in a couple of places, so some of you guys might recognize it, but it really stands for attention, interest, desire, action. Um, this is unimportant for the sake of this example, but attention is step number one in the persuasion formula, right? So if you're so nonchalant that you're not even on her radar, you don't have her attention, it's no wonder why you're not getting any result with her, right? So you have to be on her radar. And you're not on her radar until she's thinking about you when you're not around, right? Or until you've sparked an emotion that you can actually work with. And we'll talk more about how to do that. So attention is the first step. Um, all right. Couple more for you. Chival I don't even know if I spelled that right. Chivalry. Cool. So the illusion of chivalry. Anybody here want to give their definition of what chivalrous means? Anybody? Yeah. You know, the, the hand on the lower of the back, the pulling out the, the seat, the opening the door, the, you know, basically, again, this is similar to the mentality of reciprocity. It's similar to the mentality of romance. It's probably a combination of all the illusions that we've talked about, but it's, it's like if, if I'm enough of a gentleman, I'm enough of the, the type of guy that Hollywood would approve of, then girls will naturally like me. Now, here's the thing. There's a difference between a guy named Ryan Gosling, who's chivalrous, and a guy who's not even on her radar, that she's never met, right? What's the difference here? Anybody wanna, wanna take a stab? Guesses? already wants to take Ryan Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? This is why it's, it's, it's always a danger to listen to a girl's words because if you tell me, if you ask a girl, all right, what kind of guys are you into? She'll say things like, I want a guy who's funny, I want a guy who's romantic, who I can just go on long romantic walks with. But in her head, what you don't realize is she's imagining George Clooney. <laughs> like she's not imagining some, some bum from the bar. You know what I'm saying? Imagining somebody she's already attracted to. Exactly, right? So she's kind of future pacing, but again, she's assuming that the stuff that most guys miss out on is already there, the foundation, I, right? I ran into that problem. This was years ago. Uh huh. Um, I was naturally chivalrous. It wasn't like I was trying to date, but I, I opened the door and I was pumping up gas just because I'm a man and she's a woman. Yeah. And it wasn't even like I want to date you. But the funniest thing was she met this guy. And we were friends, he said, you know what? He opens doors, he pumps the gas, he does this stuff. It's like, I do that, what's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she was like, I like him, and he opens doors, and he pumps gas. Right. So I can see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's kind of why I asked you guys, anybody want to define it for me? Because I feel like a lot of people define what they deem to be chivalrous in different ways. So for me, 
my definition that I abided by back back in the day was not necessarily, obviously it was the classical stuff, but I also had a few weird ones. Like I would never cuss around girls. I wouldn't talk about sex. Um, I, I thought it was the gentlemanly thing to do to uh, abstain from anything sexual. Um, sexual talk, kissing, oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a gentleman, so I don't like to kiss on the first date, things like that. Uh, I would never cuss. Um, I, I was very respectful. You know, of all the guys, I was very, very respectful. All right, so respect. Um, there's another one that I used to do. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, uh, I don't know, I'll remember it. But as you can see, there's like, there's all these other things that we think go into making up that image. And at the end of the day, cussing is something that I found like, if I can cuss more often, I'm probably getting more people's attention onto me because it breaks the pattern of what most guys are willing to do, right? Sometimes if you're at a bar tonight and you are talking to a girl, what I found is one way to just get her attention on me and create some tension immediately is just like dropping an F-bomb in the first 30 seconds. Right? It's amazing what an F-bomb can do for a, levels, uh, a, a girl's level of interest in you in the moment. Because it sparks an emotion, it snaps her attention to you. And again, if you want to influence someone, you have to have their attention first. If you don't have their attention, then what, like, nothing you do is going to matter. Right? And so, never cussing, never talking about sex. And, and then you try to logically justify why, why can't I do that? Well, then I, oh, this, this is the one I forgot. Uh, I would always use like their full name when I, when I talk to them. So like, I don't know why, but when I was in high school, if a guy's name, if a guy had a nickname and everybody called him Chill Hill or something, because I'm thinking I'm on a basketball team, but his real name is Chris, I would always call him Chris because I thought it was like, I'm, I'm respectful. You know, I call you Chris, I don't call you by your nickname, right? But these are just things I was making up in my head because I thought that's what it was, I thought that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, with girls, like, again, it, it's almost like if you want to learn how to attract a girl, what's the opposite of all this stuff? You know what I'm saying? Full name. If I'm going to use your full name because that's your parents gave you that name and so I want to be respectful, come up with a, a nickname for her, a great attraction technique. It's something that I talk about a lot. That would be amazing. If I, if I never want to cuss, I already told you one simple experiment I did that has worked out is just dropping an F-bomb in the first minute of talking to someone. It works. No sex. What's up? It's, it's almost like you are doing all of this to impress her parents so that they will like you so you'll get the girl. Yeah, it's yeah. like right? a good way to think of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Anybody seen the, the breakdown I did of uh, Too Hot to Handle? Yeah, did you guys um, see the, the end where we literally compared one, a couple of guys who refrained from breaking the rules and, a, and then one guy who gave no fucks about the rules? What was the difference there? What happened? What was the results? The guy who forgot his name, but it was the Australian guy, right? He got with Fran. Francesca was the girl's name, and he called her like her his little awesome or something like that, right? And then Taco, like, right? And then yeah. it was like it goes back to actually to your previous one about nonchalance, but there's that other guy, the British. Uh, I 
accounting guy who's just like, I'm just gonna lie, just sit back here and let the girls come to me and like no girls went to him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's a perfect example because it's like they tell you, they incentivize you on that show monetarily to not break the rules, especially refraining from sex. And then there's one guy who got the hottest girl on the show and ironically, you know, if you want to think about how their short-term want for money, this is now we're getting into like laws of success for personal development. It's like one of the one of the factors of success that they've studied in children and how they panned out was delayed gratification. And so the ability to uh, withhold or withhold like temporary like relief now and just like go through a little bit of struggle for that payoff in the end. So this guy who didn't give a, a crap about the, the, the monetary prize if I could be the best at withholding sex or whatever um, and not touching any girls. He was kissing girls as much as possible. He, was hooking, he had sex with the hottest girl on the show. Now, after the show, they still date and their brands are huge because you know they made a lot of noise on the show and so they have more money than what the prize money was anyways. Right? So delayed gratification, but the, it was interesting to see classically good looking people. They're all put on this island and they have one rule. You can't touch anybody sexually, right? And so the guys who followed the rules, the guys who said, I'm a gentleman, the guy who wouldn't kiss the hottest girl because he said, if what we have is real, then we can kiss later. <laughs> the next day, without fail, there was at least three of them on the show. Girl talked to him the next day, gave him the classic friend zone speech, and he's dead in the water. And now all these girls want the guy who's not afraid to break the rules. So for all this, we should do the opposite, right? Essentially, it's what it's coming down to. Is that just in the beginning, or is that kind of throughout the whole relationship? Throughout the, I don't know. Like, That's a good question. Like so at the end of the day, what this really comes down to is when we're talking about getting a girl attracted to you, this is what we'll talk really in detail about here in the next presentation, but what causes attraction and when should it happen? It should happen early on, because without that tension, you don't have her attention, you know? And a lot of this stuff will make you stand out, put you on her radar because it creates enough tension to snap her attention to you, right? If I don't get her attention first, then it doesn't matter how cool I am, how much money I have, any of that stuff that you think would naturally attract girls because she has no interest in you, she doesn't like you, she doesn't trust you, and she's not attracted to you, right? And so, um, no sex, you know, it, like if you're, if you're, for example, if you're a Christian, you don't, you don't have to have sex if that's like against your religion, right? But don't use it as a strategy to make a girl like you, you know, because it's only going to make her actually lose respect for you, especially if she doesn't share that same value, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I want to give you guys two more and then we'll go on a 15 minute break and then we'll get deeper into a, the bird's eye view of the seductive process. Um, all right. This is arguably the biggest one, the illusion of control. And it's not as intuitive as the other ones. So I call it the illusion of control because what I noticed, and I only noticed this kind of from going back into my own reference experiences, but mostly from coaching guys. Because when I started improving my dating life, I, I guess I was fortunate enough to where I didn't feel confident in my ability to get girls online. This is around the time when Tinder, 
and Bumble became a big. It, I mean, in fact, even Tinder was a little taboo at the time. This is like 2013, 2014, to where you know eHarmony, Match.com were still like the main online sources back then. And I was talking to my friend who got all the girls, and I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm thinking about." you know, creating a free trial to sign up on match.com. You know, I saw, I was browsing, I saw some girls on there and he was like, oh yeah, that's cool. You should, you should definitely check that out. Keep in mind, this is a guy who's never needed any of that stuff. And so he's just trying to be a supportive friend, right? And, and for me, it just, it, something in my gut, I was like, I don't want to be that guy though. Like for some reason, I just don't think this will work out, right? And so me, I naturally went right into approaching women and it happened to be um, what I found even to this day to be the most effective way to meet women. But I say that because I see so many guys who pick up my book, who want to come to a boot camp, who want to get, improve this area of their lives and they're like, yeah man, I've been you know, swiping online, I'm not really getting matches. And here's kind of a pattern that I've realized, right? I'm going to draw a little diagram. So illusion of control. All right. So first, you know, you'll start the profile and you'll start swiping. Or if you're not on Tinder or Bumble, you start matching and whatever. And to be able to get matches, what you have to do is you have to improve your picks. You have to improve your bio, improve bio. So you gotta figure out what order the picks should go in, you know, what picks should you have, what Instagram should you, you know, your brand be, um, what should I have in my bio, should it be a little bit witty, does this joke hit, does this joke hit, and then you start matching girls and then you're like, okay, uh, you start, <laughs> the next step is you start messaging girls, and then you're like, okay, well now I'm getting matches because I finally got my picks in order. I finally got my, uh, my bio in order. And so you start messaging and you're like, okay, this message isn't working. Should I wait for them to respond? Should I send this message? And you're looking for that perfect message to send. And so you're messaging all these girls. And what you don't realize is that before you actually get the right pics, get the right bio, find the right messages, and then you get her phone number and now you're bridging the gap on how to get her to meet up For you to go through that entire process, I've noticed it takes most guys on average about five to six months. And notice what the last part of that is, meeting her. All that effort just to figure out how to get girls to want to meet you from an online website or an online dating app. Now why does this exist and why do I call it the illusion of control? Because the entire time, you're inching your way closer to the end goal, right? You're, you're changing this variable, you're changing that variable. But meanwhile, you realize, oh shit, if I wanna speed this process up, what do I have to do? I gotta pay for Tinder Gold, I gotta pay for a higher level membership. It's a business, right? So what this business is doing is they are giving you the illusion of control by giving you all these variables to work with simply because they're in the middle. They are the middle man between you and this girl. And here's the crazy part. What a lot of guys don't realize about Tinder and Bumble and online sites is it's an algorithm designed to generate this. So they're not gonna give you the best matches to start because they want you to see, all right, well, what would happen if I pay? 
uh, ironically, you don't even know that if you, if let's say a girl did swipe right on you or you're swiping right on all these hot girls, the algorithm might not even show your profile to them to, for them to have the opportunity to swipe right on you. The algorithm actually is going to judge your attractiveness level based off of how many women are swiping right on you at, at the beginning. And they'll put you with people of the opposite sex who have a similar attractiveness level, right? So what a lot of you guys, uh, not, not even specifically you guys, but what I see a lot is five to six month process for you to start meeting women in person, for you to even start doing any of the stuff that we've talked about already the correct way, when the fastest way to do all of this is just to cut the middleman out all together. Cut them out altogether. I'm gonna just call one of you guys at random and I want you to think objectively, all right? And it doesn't have to be women you're attracted to. How many people with a vagina have you seen today? Good 12. At least 12? At least 12, because I went to breakfast. Okay. How many have you seen today? Seven. How about you? Eight. Eight? Okay. Now, this is not assuming that all of them were girls that you would actually be interested in, but let's say hypothetically one of them was someone that you would be interested in. What's standing between you and that person actually talking? Um, an eighth-inch piece of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have to wait six months before you can say hi? I actually did talk to one. I was asked for directions, but we were, the banter kept going. Yeah. Just like that. It wasn't, a, it wasn't waiting. <laughs> Here's the crazy part. How long have humans been around on this spinning rock in space? Thousands of years. Tens of thousands of years. Arguably hundreds of thousands of years, if you go all the way back to known human history. Throughout all that time, we are only here today because at some point those humans met a person of the opposite gender, had sex with them, created some offspring. How old is Tinder? <laughs> I mean, I think the answer is pretty obvious. Um, one of the ads that really blew my mind was Hinge, which is another one of these popular dating apps. They literally have an Instagram ad that says the caption, the app designed to be deleted. If their marketing campaign has to tell you, we're not gonna waste your time, we want you to get off of Hinge. <laughs> That's how you know you have a problem, okay? So here's, here's the cool part. You had 12 opportunities to talk to a person of the opposite gender today. You had eight, you had eight, right? If you put yourself in a volume, or in a place with a high volume of hot chicks, now you have all those opportunities, but they're actually girls that you might be interested in. And if you kind of think the mentality of, okay, where are girls who are at least trying to be attractive and uh, are most likely to be single, where are they gonna go? Probably a club, probably a bar, probably a party, just because people in relationships tend to not go to those places more often than not, right? So I want you to change your strategy from the illusion of control online 
cut out the middleman altogether. And the middleman plays in a, shows up in a lot of different ways. But the only middleman that you should really be battling is the middleman right here. The, the mental battle that, that gets you to overcome, there's a person over there that I find attractive, I'm gonna go up and say hi. Because I don't have to wait six months, I don't have to optimize. Do you realize optimizing a Tinder bio is the same level of optimization a business would have to do to generate revenue online? You know what I'm saying? If you wanted to create an online business like I have myself, I went through the same process to generate a business that most guys are doing just to meet women, right? It, it blows my mind, right? So cut out the middleman altogether. This is the only middleman you gotta battle and worry about. Can you give it an example of the illusion of control outside of online dating? That's a good question. Um, honestly, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I would say the most common one that I see is just any form of online dating. Um, I think it's not the most effective way to meet women and it's definitely not the fastest because at the end of the day, the goal of online dating is to meet up with them in person, right? So eventually you're gonna meet them in person. Eventually you will meet this girl that you're talking to on person, in person, right? But just think about all the time it takes just leading up to that to where if you just cut it out altogether and we're willing to just go straight to the girl, um, now we've skipped this whole process and actually seeing if we relate to each other people to people. And that's you know? where shifting your mentality from the, a lack of mentality to the abundance mentality really comes into play because online you're seeing all these different options, right? Mm -hmm. Going out in person, you're only seeing the few that you see in front of you and then you're battling with yourself and overthinking things, well maybe she's already with somebody or you know she's too good looking for me or you know whatever. Yeah, 100%. But, but even that, I mean that's those are beliefs that you'll have to almost overcome the hard way, right? Because, I mean, I'll tell you what, when I first got into a, approaching women, a very common thing is like, oh, I can't talk to that girl because she's standing next to that guy. Um, that's probably your boyfriend or whatever. Uh, so then you just say, I'm not gonna, not gonna worry about that chick, right? But it's, it's a story that you created in your own head. What I've found, literally through just like firsthand experience, if you guys go to Old Town Scottsdale, I highly recommend it this weekend. Approach a girl who's talking to a guy and see how they know each other. Ask how they know each other. Nine times out of 10, it will be a guy who just approached her. Right? So how many, how many of those instances pop up where it's just kind of a story that you created whether you know it or not? You know? Um, and so I think the, the concept of the middleman is more important than what are the middlemen that pop up because now that you know what, that these exist, now you can start to see through the matrix and go, okay, is this thing actually moving me closer to my goal or prolonging the time it takes to meet this girl? Cool. So uh, we're gonna take a 15 minute break here. Um, so we'll come back at 12.50 and then we'll go over the entire seductive process overview.